Well, Canada's Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Christia Freeland is in Washington this week for International Monetary Fund and World Bank meetings. These are a big deal every year. She kicked off the visit, though, with a speech delivered to policy experts at the Brookings Institute, a well-known think tank, on Tuesday. And in it, she laid out thoughts and advice that many in the Canadian business community say we just haven't heard or seen enough of from the government of late. In other words, if there's a plan to deal with these changing realities we're seeing these days, whether it be um, supply chain issues or inflation, the problems uh, that the war in Ukraine has caused, what is it? Well, in a nutshell, in a fairly lengthy speech, Christia Freeland said the world's democracies must be realistic about the world that we now live in and confront some hard economic truths. Um, and that in this new world order, those who have common goals or shared values should share common cause, whether it be prosperity, energy security, protecting the planet, and free and fair trade. She essentially described the end of a time of peace and stability that many of us will remember began about 33 years ago with the fall of the Berlin Wall, and it ended on February 24th with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And she admitted, and this was something that people have been waiting to hear, that Canada needs to do more to help its allies. Crucially, we must then be prepared to spend some domestic political capital in the name of economic security for our democratic partners. The EU set a powerful example during the COVID pandemic when European vaccine makers honoured their contracts with non-European allies. Canada remembers. Canada must and will show similar generosity in fast-tracking, for example, the energy and mining projects our allies need to heat their homes and to manufacture electric vehicles. Well, you know, after the German Chancellor's visit here, when he came looking for LNG and went home relatively empty-handed, uh, that will be news, or at least music, to the ears of some who've been pushing hard for Canada to do more, specifically with resources, when there's so much demand around the world, so much demand from our allies just last night, we were talking about what a difficult winter it's going to be in Europe because of energy supply problems. Uh, but as always, as is always the case when it comes to uh, government ministers speaking, it is actions, not words, that truly matter. Joining me now is Goldie Hyder. He's president and CEO of the Business Council of Canada, and he was in Washington for Freeland's address to the Brookings Institute. Uh, thanks for your time tonight. Welcome. Great to be with you, Ben. You were just in Washington uh, for Christian Freeland's Brookings Institute uh, address. Uh, you called it the Freeland Doctrine on the way out, which is a really interesting way of putting it. What what about it rang true to you, and why were you hoping to hear what she had to say? Well, look, uh, I, I think that your listeners are astute enough to know that uh, the world has changed, and the world has changed fundamentally as a result of the war, and and also what's going on with the uh, United States and China and some of that that those policies. And it's really important that Canada figure out its place. Where can it have influence? Where can it play? How does it leverage its strengths? And for the longest time in Ottawa here, we've, you know, we obviously had to manage COVID. But overall, the agenda has been very much driven by a Prime Minister and others who are keen on the social side of the ledger. But we've got to figure out the economic side of the ledger as well. And that means understanding the geopolitics. And I thought what Minister Freeland did was reflect the seriousness of the time in which we live, uh, to give a serious attempt to trying to, to frame a way in which uh, Canada can navigate 
the emerging geopolitical environment in which we find ourselves. But how do you see that as an opportunity? How do you leverage the strengths that we have as a country when it comes to our talent, our human resources, when it comes to our natural resources, uh, when it comes to our innovative and ingenuity capacity to innovate at a time in which the green transition is heavily going to rely on that? Um, how do we stay competitive? How do we address the challenges of trade? You know, these are things that people don't think about daily, but they don't realize just how much they benefit from those things on a daily basis. And so I thought she made a valiant effort to say, let's uh, recognize the moment and let's see how it is that we can be proactive about it. And yes, there's a lot of people who'll be cynical to say, well, you know, you're the same government for seven years that nothing's been built. You know what? Uh, better late than never. Let's get started and let's figure out how to do it. And that's where I think we're all going to be watching with great interest what the fall economic statement she has to present uh, in November will be. Yeah, because one gets the impression that, uh, you know, through the Trump years, it was obviously challenging for Canada, so so reliant on the U.S., the, you know, the change of, of, of you know, the change of the China in the way China's behaved under Xi Jinping. I mean, the, the, and then, of course, the invasion of Ukraine. There have been a lot of rude awakenings for Canada this past decade. Uh, it feels like in some ways, though, we've been kind of talking about something different here, as if we weren't part of this broader problem, but just simply trying to react to it. Is that the sense you're getting as well? Look, I've always believed, Ben, that um, the best strategy is to control your own destiny, uh, is to look at the hand that you've been dealt, figure out how, how you can play it as well as you can, uh, look around you, see what's going on, identify who your friends are and who are neutral and who are your foes, which is sort of what Minister Freeland was getting at in her speech, and you know, um, seize the moment with action. Like We do a really good job of talking and coasting, and we've been relying so heavily in the United States. But in a world that's changing dramatically, what can we do to control our own destiny? You know, uh, in fairness to the, not only Minister Freeland, but to the prime minister, after the German, what I call fiasco, because they came here to get LNG, they left empty handed. They went to Australia and signed a 16 year agreement for LNG, which is three times farther away from Europe than Canada is. So, so much for emissions. Uh, same thing happened when they went to the UAE. They signed up more LNG. They went to America, got more LNG. You know, we've had attention from the president of Korea. Uh, the president of France was scheduled to be here and may still come. Uh, the head of the EU, uh, the Japanese delegations. And what they're saying is, Canada, you have what we need. You have critical minerals. You have energy. Can you get it to market? Are you a serious player that can get these goods to the people who need them, who are trying to live the values that you share of democracy, of rule of law, respect for minorities? And there we have failed to deliver. And this is something we haven't been able to do for over a decade now. So it's not just an indictment of this government. It's an indictment of governments in general that says the outcomes have not matched the intentions and the ambitions. If new rules are put in place that are supposed to bring about investment, they haven't worked. They haven't worked. There are no real legitimate applications for any kind of infrastructure development uh, here because there's too much regulatory unpredictability and too much risk. So when the prime minister said he wants to expedite and identify and expedite some projects, and this was largely a response to the fact that I think we realized we missed the moment with Germany, uh, we said, fantastic, let's get going. Let's figure out what those projects are, both uh, from a natural resources and energy sector perspective, and also from the green transition perspective, surely to goodness, we should be able to expedite projects that have any uh, decarbonizing effect for, for, for the, the impact that that would have on climate change. But we talk a good game, Ben, and what we're looking for is actions. We need to translate words into actions. And that's when we will be able to seize our destiny and help grow an economy and, by extension, meet the social infrastructure needs that we all have. Because... I would imagine that over time, 
Canada loses some of its diplomatic impact if it doesn't back up its kind words and its astute analysis of the global situation with that sort of action. As you mentioned, our allies are looking for the stuff they need, and they know we have it. A lot of the same stuff Russia has, to be frank, or that China has, to be frank. Um, why, why haven't we met our words with actions of late. I mean, it feels like you're right. It's been going on for more than one government. Uh, but it feels like Canada has been a sort of, in a sense, in a kind of paralysis in the 21st century when it came to getting ahead of some of these things. Yeah, I think the short answer, Ben, and this is harsh, but it's the facts, is leadership. We need leadership um, at every level of Canadian society that can work together, uh, develop a vision uh, to execute. We have rested on our laurels. And as Canadian people, we have been uh, comfortable and complacent because it's kind of been easy to be located next to the G1. You know, it's the blessing and the curse of our geography. There's a lot of upside, but boy, there's some downsides as well. And we've got to figure out how do we add value to this relationship? How can we help advance the you know, democracies and rule of law and so forth? And how do we create the policy framework that allows for the best talent in the world to come to Canada, um, capital to be invested for the long haul, because it has confidence that Canada is a, is a place that you know can attract talent, that can uh, build infrastructure, uh, where the rule of law applies, where there's stability and predictability in our regulatory framework and our political arena. If we we can do that the world is there for the taking for us you know there's the old saying more of canada is a good thing of course but are we delivering and the verdict out there let me tell you as someone who travels um quite a bit internationally is the verdict's out to be very very clear i mean uh, i has a recent trip in korea that sticks in my mind where yeah. the, the impression they said is that are you guys hoarding your resources because surely to goodness you must have the capacity to build the infrastructure to get it out it's good for the economy and that's an interesting question it is an interesting question. That what, what and and what was your answer? Because it's hard to tell. I mean, even within uh, the financial community here, and I know sometimes this is something that is difficult to comprehend just because of the size of the country. But I've often heard from from investment people with money to spend that they look outside of Canada. Even Canadian money looks elsewhere to develop resources, uh, green energy projects, and so on, because of the regulatory uncertainty here. Well, that unfortunately is true. And listen, let me tell you, Ben, you won't find a prouder Canadian to speak with than I am. Everything I'm trying to do here on behalf of our members and on behalf of, uh, of, uh, of the country is about how can we keep Canada strong? Uh, because nothing lasts anymore. You may have had a good run for 150 years or so, but it doesn't mean the next 150 years are going to be good. And that's what I mean by controlling your own destiny. We don't have an industrial policy in this country. We don't know what we want to be when we grow up. We haven't figured out how to leverage our strengths of our human resources and our natural resources and what it means to build an economy. There's so many things we do to ourselves. I mean, you're out West. I'm a Westerner, as you know. I mean, the interprovincial trade barriers, right? Thank God the Western premiers and the provinces got together and said, this is silly. we got to do something about this. But it's high time that Ontario and Quebec and others take a look and say, why do we have these barriers? These barriers are suffocating economic growth. You cannot blame America for that. You cannot blame China for that. You cannot blame anyone but yourselves for that. That's just the low-hanging fruit. Look at our immigration system. It's in chaos. It's a true crisis. We need to get the, the confidence out there that we can process something as basic as an immigration application to be a student here, uh, to be a temporary foreign worker here, to be a permanent resident here. Most importantly, I would say today, to be an economic migrant 
Those people who come here and every job that's vacant is a person not paying taxes for your health care, your education, your roads. We've got to see that. And so there's a lot of um, malaise and some, and some uh, you know, an inaction that I think we need to up our response to, because as I said, the world is not going to wait. It's going to pass us by. And we here in the business community are trying to do what we can to provide that leadership by helping our employees skill and reskill and say, look, let's get you ready for the workforce of the future, not just the present. Trying to remind our policymakers that competitiveness is very real. You look at what's going on in the U.S. They announced a, a very ill-named policy called the IRA, which is supposed to be about inflation, but really is a climate strategy. But it's also about going big on getting investment and getting talent. So we've got to respond to that as a country to say, no, 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 you don't have to go to America to, to, to do that. You can also do it in Canada. We were left off the table at the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. Why? Why is it that Canada has not been invited? We're a Pacific nation. And so we've been aggressive in getting our governments to realize that we've got to act on these things. Simply talking about it on Twitter is not going to get us anywhere. Yeah, the social media, social media uh, policy by social media, it, it doesn't doesn't work. Uh, Goldie Hyder is our guest. This is a really interesting initiative that you that you looked at because the Indo-Pacific region and Canada's approach to it seems to be sort of the template for where we've gone wrong. We still don't have an Indo-Pacific strategy, and it seems ridiculous as you were mentioning. Canada's a Pacific nation. Uh, why is it taken so long, and what's the impact been? Because it feels like without a game plan, as you mentioned, we just don't know where we're going, and that's bad for everyone. Well, look, it, should it have been out earlier? Of course. Um, is it imminent? I believe it is. I believe we'll be seeing it in a matter of weeks, um, and which is a good thing. I'm hoping that what it says is that, look, we recognize that we need to be uh, closer aligned uh, with the United States on things like the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework and some other initiatives, like we're not included in Quad and AUKUS and, and um, you know, um, a number of things that Canada can have a role in. I think part of the challenge, Ben, is, is we need to be taken seriously down in Washington. Washington, and I spent a lot of time there, um, they take us for granted to some extent. And they're honest about that. Hey, it's Canada. Like, I mean, outside of hockey, you know, you're pretty good guys. We like you. And yeah. so it's, it's a sense of actually, no, we have a national interest that we have to defend. But they also call us out on things in fairness. And again, here, the business community has certainly tried to uh, encourage government to up its game on our defense commitments, because that's important to Washington. And frankly, it should be important to us. Russia is our northern neighbor. Right. We've got a, an, Arctic, uh, an Arctic passageway that's uh, obviously being impacted by climate change. It's going to become a trade corridor, but it's also a national security issue. And we've got to be able to assert our sovereignty. That requires you to invest in your defense capabilities, in your military. You can't be freeloaders. you gotta, you got to put, put some skin in the game. So I was pleased to see Minister Anand in the last budget was successful in bringing that, uh, that about in the right direction. There's more to do, but it's something Canadians need to understand, right? Because it's about politics. There's, some people believe that there's no votes in foreign policy. There's no votes in defense. So they stay away from it. But what could be more important for any prime minister than the national security of our country? So we've got to think uh, for the long term, what's for good public policy, not just what's for good politics. That's just one example of that. Secondly, I would say that um, successive governments, and, and certainly the previous one really kick-started the whole diversification on trade agreements. There was a lot of trade agreements that happened. This continued under this administration or this government, which is a good thing. 
Um, we in the business community also need to do our part by diversifying because it is kind of easy to look to the U.S. and, and, and a little further south, if you will. Well, we've got to get, and many of our members are there, many, many Canadians, pension funds, large in, in infrastructure uh, companies, financial services, and you know all of those have been there a long time. We've got to bring the next tranche of Canadians into taking advantage of the TPP as an example. You know, you've right. got access to emerging markets that are going to be huge. Uh, we're congratulations again on the government's efforts to deal with Indonesia on a trade agreement, India on some kind of a, an early harvest type trade agreement. Business looks to those trade agreements to offer predictability, some confidence. So I think we're heading in the right direction. We just got to do it and speed it up. And that's kind of the main theme for almost everything I say these days. Yeah, and I, I guess one of the issue areas that we could really look is something we talk about a lot, which is the greening of the economy. But but as Christopher Freeland pointed out in that speech, the idea that we need to start fast tracking uh, energy mining projects that that our allies are looking for us, and th there could be a big boost to the economy there. Instead, it feels like we're kind of wandering into what could be, or at least what the IMF is calling a cooling off period for the Canadian economy, feeling a little bit lost about where our place is in the grand scheme of things these days. Well, as I said, if, uh, you know, if, if um, and let me use an analogy I often like to use, if, if countries were stocks, you know, you would normally look at your country, a stock, and you would say, you know, so what's, who's the leadership team? What's the strategy? What's their track record? What's their capacity to execute on their, on their, on their commitments? You would make an assessment of that, and you probably would look at Canada and say, you know, middle of the pack, not the, not the best, not the worst. But a middle of the pack. Well, then middle of the pack produces exactly that, you know, sort of average outcomes. We need to strive to be great. We need to strive to be the best because Canada and Canadians have proven when they put their minds to it, we win. I mean, just look where you are in the province of British Columbia when we had the Winter Olympics, the whole notion of owning the podium. And we went out and we won, which meant we made strategic choices about which athletes to invest in. What kind of infrastructure would they need? Where could we get them the best coaches in the world? Use that same analogy for the economy. Goldie Hyder, we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much. Always good to be with you, Ben. Take care.